The story goes that David Kelly at some point wrote on the back of a napkin a picture of a seesaw with a heart on one sign and a dollar sign on the other. And this very much informs the work that we do in talent and across everything we do at IDEO, which is, you know, there has to be this balance between the commerce and the culture. You're listening to the show for leaders who want to build and empower world-class teams. I'm Jay Akunzo, and this is Org Uncharted. Hello again, and welcome to the show that believes, I believe what you believe. That's a, there's a lot of beliefs here is what I'm trying to say. We believe in putting the customer first, in making decisions from the bottom up, and in fighting against top-down leadership, because quite frankly, that's broken. It doesn't make any sense. Clean it up, replace it, do it better. This is the official podcast of Tetra, which makes knowledge management software that helps your team make better decisions faster. In other words, it empowers everybody on your team to do their best work. For more information, education, company culture decks, all kinds of goodness around the theme of both Tetra and this show, go to our website, orguncharted.com. My dear friend, uh, a quick word, if I may, quick aside. I think people are so much more than little shapes on an org chart, even though a lot of companies try to shove people into those little cogs or little nodes. So let's start today by venturing beyond that org chart and explore today's theme. Values have value. Like seriously, values really matter. But I know what you might be thinking. The whole idea of values can feel a little warm and fuzzy. Maybe even saccharine, like some motivational poster of two dudes shaking hands with the headline, teamwork makes the dream work. Maybe you've come across your company's values on the corporate website. Maybe they're even painted on a wall. Maybe you, as a leader, have had a hand in crafting them. And you know the routine, I'm sure. You walk past them every morning, or you remember them on your way to the bathroom, or you see them in an email but you have no idea what they mean as you go about the nuances, the minutiae of your day-to-day work. Are they actually affecting any of that? And that reality is kind of sad because having values that actually mean something, having beliefs that are tangible and authentic is important to employees and to leaders alike. Not to mention it seeps out into the world and affects people's work with customers. And what is this show if not a study in how to be more customer-centric by empowering employees. Now, I'm sure you've read more than your fair share of headlines that millennials care about purpose over profit. For example, according to a 2016 study by Gallup, millennials who know what their organization stands for tend to be way more engaged, and they plan to stick around for much longer. But whether you're young or old, new to a job or have been there forever, it's not enough to just give people on a team a few nice words to believe in. No. It's not enough to put some pretty words on a wall, absolutely not. And it's certainly not enough to just tell employees that the organization cares about something more than the bottom line without actually acting on it. And that's the rub, isn't it? The real value of values is that when you actually live by them, they create alignment. And alignment is one of the hardest things in the world to achieve at organizations big or small. Alignment helps decisions get made. Alignment keeps everybody on the same page. Alignment affects the brand, the product, the customer support, you name it. And so that brings us back to our theme today, 
Values have value if you actually live by them. The root of so much of what drives how we behave and how we work at IDEO is, is staying connected to our values. That is Sally Sosa. She's the Global Talent Director of Culture and Communications at IDEO. And if you've heard of IDEO before, you might be thinking, oh yeah, that's the design firm, I think, that's like super innovative and they do stuff, but I don't really understand what the heck they do. Well, we're going to dive into that in a little bit. But here's the thing about IDEO. They're not innovative solely because they champion creativity. They're not innovative because they have this aura all around their company. In reality, they're innovative because they understand their values and they ensure they're present in everything they do. And these values of theirs, there's nothing all that unique about them. Really. I'm sure you've heard a few of them before in your own organization. Things like embrace ambiguity, learn from failure, talk less, do more. So yeah, not overly amazing or different, right? But that's okay, because what sets IDEO apart isn't this simple fact that they have values, it's the fact that they live by them, and how. So Sally, there's this this phrase in your employee handbook that I've latched onto personally, which is um, that IDEO is a human-centered organization. There's even a section in this handbook titled, A Peopley Weepley Organization. Uh, So as somebody who thinks about the employee experience a lot, such as yourself, I'm curious, what is an organization at all, if not human-centered? Like, can you be anything other than that? Or is it just that people forget this idea somehow? Like, why, why is this something that you actually have to articulate overtly? I think you absolutely can forget it. I came from the music business prior to this, and I went into the music business because at my core, I was, I was a music fan. Um, it was in my bones through and through. And I thought this is what I actually want to do with my career and with my life. And I had some mentors and some friends who were in the business say, don't go into music. You're too much a fan. It's going to squelch your soul. You'll never listen to music again. You'll never want to go to a concert again. And when I got into the business, I actually found a lot of that was true. It's still a business. And for the most part, it's still very much about the bottom line. And so, you know, creativity gets squelched and it's not necessarily about the art and things like that. And so I, I do think, you know, many businesses are designed and set up for efficient efficiency and to make money. And, you know, at IDEO, we have a bit of folklore that is, um, the story goes that David Kelly at some point wrote on the back of a napkin, a picture of a seesaw with a heart on one sign and a dollar sign on the other. And this very much informs the work that we do in talent and across everything we do at IDEO, which is, you know, there has to be this balance between the commerce and the culture or the emotional, intuitive, um, you know, human side of it with the business side and the efficiency and and the um, productivity. And I think those two things are always in tension. And, you know, that's why they sit on a seesaw, because they're always going to be back and forth a little bit. And at some, at some points you may have to focus on one a little bit more than the other, but both of them should always be considered in in order to have a healthy organization and a healthy experience for your employees. I feel like the phrase employee experience is interpreted in lots of different ways and maybe isn't something people even think about that much, but it would help if we can make that idea more practical. So 
um, can you put some substance behind the hype? You know, this this whole show is about empowering people on the front lines to do their best work, and and a lot of that is providing the right employee experience. But it's such a broad topic, as I'm, I'm sure you might agree. Like, so again, as as somebody who is a purveyor of the employee experience at your company, what does that phrase mean to you? And then, how do you actually execute on creating a great one? I had an insight sometime in the last few years about this um, because. You know, we have offices around the world, but we have two offices in in the Bay Area and sort of in proximity to Silicon Valley. And so we are often competing for talent with, um, you know, some of the big tech companies, which claim to have amazing employee culture and all of these incredible perks. And they just take great care of these employees, their employees and things like this. And kind of had this, this, this aha moment, which was there's culture and then there's amenities and I think things like having your dry cleaning picked up and a bus picking you up to take you to and from work and having, you know, five meals a day with 10 types of kale and four types of quinoa and all these things is actually amenities. It doesn't necessarily create culture. Culture comes down to how people treat each other, uh, the sorts of permission they feel at work to actually be themselves and to take risks and uh, the sort of environment that's created around people in the work and the work that we do. I'd be curious to know what you've tried in terms of internal communications that was a surprising success, you know, maybe not that obvious. I think a lot of companies have internal newsletters and company all hands and, and maybe even some Q&As with the executive team. Um, is it Q's and A or Q&As? Qu- question and answer sessions with the executive team. So, but here's my question. Is there anything that isn't as common that you found really successful for you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as a design firm, we're constantly, we're constantly making things. It's our way of making sense of, of the world is by, by getting tangible. And so we try to design our, our communication streams and our platforms and our artifacts with the same intent and passion as we design for our clients. We invite the community along in that process you know, I really think things resonate a lot more when people feel like they were a part of what was created or like they have co-authorship. So we try to approach things that way rather than, you know, having these fully baked mandates that we send out sort of, you know, as a sermon on sermon from the Mount to share with the community. It's more about, it's more about prototyping things with the community. It's more about inviting conversations I can share a story of actually when the little book of IDEO which, uh, was created, which is the site <clears throat> that you referenced earlier. Um, you know, IDEO had been around for, for three decades or so, but we, we had never actually articulated what we believed our core values to be, even though we were pretty sure that, that there was a lot of shared beliefs and shared behaviors across our communities. We'd never actually put a stake in the ground around what those were. So uh, one of our folks in our Singapore office was doing a presentation, I think for the Singapore government at the time or something. And she was thinking about this and she wanted to put forward what she thought that these, these core values might be. So she put together a deck and she, she shared them around with some folks and socialized them. And this grew into what became the little book of IDEO. We were at the same time taking a look at our career development process. And we had had the realization that when folks failed at IDEO or didn't quite find the success that they wanted, it wasn't because they were, they were crap at their job at the, what you would call hard skills. You know um, it was oftentimes because 
they were just a jerk and people didn't want to work with them. Or it was more about the way they were going about their work, how they were doing their work rather than their actual technical skills. And so we realized we needed to have some way to have conversations, to have meaningful meaningful conversations and a shared vocabulary around these, these behaviors and these values that we embody in our workplace. And so we, we put a pen to paper and we put these, these values down and we socialized it. And as part of that process, also speaking to the, the co-authorship that I mentioned earlier, we invited the global community to actually create videos, bringing one of these values to life. We said, you know, what resonates with you? and invited them to actually bring it to life in any way that they chose. And so we had this incredible set of videos made by the community for the video for the community. And it was a really interesting way for our community to, to digest them, to sort of grapple with them, to debate them, you know, to see what feels right, what doesn't feel right, what feels like it's intention intention um, rather than just, you know, sl- slapping these things up on a wall and saying, this is what we all believe. It actually was much more of a conversation and a co-creation. Oh, man, I love that, right? So often, values will come from the top down. The CEO will say something like, this is what we believe in, damn it. And everyone else is expected to just follow along. What's also really interesting about IDEO's process in creating the little book was the way they invited the entire global organization to take part. Being a global organization, we realized that we have different cultures represented and different different cultural norms in some of our different studios. And we wanted to, we really wanted these, these values to feel resonant and authentic with everyone across all of our studios, not just in the United States. And so we led a project there in our Shanghai office to actually pick apart the little book and to look at it and say, does this feel right? Does this not feel right? Rather than just straight translating it into the local language they dissected it and studied it and, and found places where actually some of the American language or some of the, the slang didn't quite resonate. For example, one of our values is be optimistic. And so when that is translated straight into Mandarin, it has more of a sort of naive, you know, rose colored glasses uh, message to it, which is actually not what we, what we mean by that, by that value. And so they, they added a little bit of language to create you know, to add the measuredness that we mean when we talk about being optimistic rather than just being naive. So they then went and created their own version that felt felt much more resonant and authentic for their community as well. I've experienced a lot of work done to create employee handbooks or or culture codes. And I've noticed that there's this temptation for executives to kind of present it to the team, you know, and the team is kind of looking sideways at each other like, yeah, that's your perspective guy, but you don't get what actually goes on here on the front lines. And so it's great to hear that you guys actually handed over this handbook, this directive or, or set of beliefs to a larger community. Um, we, we had this one moment at one company I worked for, just as one example, where one of the core values was very obviously idealistic or aspirational, and it wasn't currently being implemented. You know, that's, that's what I saw as a mid-level manager, and that's what my team saw. And we had hundreds of other people around the business talking about this. You know, this is an idealistic way of looking at the business. And a few people were actually willing to give the founder that feedback. And he actually said, we're going to keep it in there, but we're going to tag it with a little asterisk as, you know, we aspire to be this versus we are this. So in the little book of IDEO, how much of that is aspirational? The, the stuff where you're like, we want to be this versus the reality, the stuff that you are. And, and then what actions can you take to close that gap? I think and I hope that it's a little bit of both. 
when we created them, there, there definitely was a desire for them to be authentic. And I believe, I believe that they are, you know, there was some good, healthy dialogue around, around what that means. Not everyone is going to feel like every single one of them is, you know, a hundred percent spot on, but there's, there's healthy tension there. And I think that, that that's really valuable, but I also think because our organization, you know, as our organization grows and, and scales and, and sort of reacts to the changes in the world, we will have to work to keep these values authentic. As any business grows, as you've mentioned, and as I'm sure you learned about a lot of these conversations, you know, it's challenging to scale a culture as a, as an organization grows. And so how do you, how do you keep things, these things true? I was actually thinking about this as I was reflecting on some of these ideas in advance of this conversation and saying, okay, I know that was true five years ago. Is that true now? And, you know, are we working to keep it fresh? If so, how are we doing that? All right, we are in uncharted territory now. So let's dive even deeper away from this old idea of the org chart and into this concept of values having real value. And let's see if we can't find a few buried treasures that we can use back in our work to execute better. So far today, we've learned that when it comes to building a values-driven organization, participation from the entire community is key. But how do you keep those values fresh? How do you live by them day in and day out? IDEO does it through both big initiatives and everyday practices. First, there's the big initiatives. One example is this program called IDEO Stories. Sally says a few years ago, some folks came up with this idea to host storytelling events at the organization. But the stories they tell aren't about client work or even their own work, they're personal stories. And what's especially cool about this initiative is how collaborative it is. IDEO-ers, people at IDEO, with real storytelling chops, go through this six-week process getting coaching and coaching others to identify a story, craft the story, and learn what it takes to get on stage and tell it. It's fun, it builds community, and it authentically connects to IDEO's values. There's this idea of making others successful, which is really embedded in that effort, which you know, helping, helping people be better storytellers, building confidence in front of groups, um, having, having no confidence in their point of view and and their story to tell, I think is, is really powerful and it's good for the business as well. I think that's important. I also think it was so bottom up. I mean, it was the passion of these, a couple of people in one of our studios who were great storytellers and were interested in storytelling that said, I want to build some of these skills in my colleagues and make others successful in this way. And and here's an interesting way that we might go about it rather than again, using, you know, stories about client work to coach these people. We said, well, let's, let's take the human centered approach. Let's, let's talk about ourselves. Let's use stories about, about ourselves and each other to, to go down this journey. And so I think that's what, that's what really resonated. So that's the big initiatives from Sally and IDEO. Now, when it comes to the more everyday practices to uphold and live out their values, one of the ways IDEO does that is through the flights program. Flights are these essentially meetings or moments when teams come together before a project begins, as it's happening, and after it's ended. So before, during, and after. Now, the mid and the post-project phases, they might seem the most familiar to most of us, even if we don't have them quite as well articulated as IDEO. See, the mid and post-project phases of flights are all about giving and getting feedback and reflecting on what's working and what isn't. So you can think of them as mid-project check-ins and post-mortems. 
Those are important to articulate and crystallize a little bit more than most of us do, but still, that seems somewhat familiar. But then, there's these pre-project flights that are all about building alignment. There's that word again, alignment. And also, creating agreements. So if someone on the team is, say, a new parent, they have an opportunity to let the team know, look, I have to leave every day at four to get my kid from preschool. And this gives the entire team a chance to establish that there won't be any resentment or misunderstandings down the line. So from personal to professional, quirks, ticks, and preferences, it's all aired out, it's all laid out, and now you can be better aligned. Sally says that these meetings, these flights, have helped employees create a culture of feedback and radical candor, which is super important at IDEO. She also says that by living this value and making it authentic, they've also empowered people to be more efficient and do their best work. Previously in our career development process at the end of the year, as we went through the you know, through this cycle, everyone would reach out to folks they'd work with to try to collect feedback. And it would be this, you know, overwhelming inbox full of feedback requests that would like bring the business to a screeching halt. And so we said, what if this was a more recurring thing that happened throughout the year in the moments of learning, in the moments of of working with these different teammates that you could actually have those conversations um, in the context of the work. And so that's what we were trying to trying to do there. How do you roll something like that out to an entire organization? You know, is it uh, finding a couple of true believers to say, we have this idea, here's the gist of it, and will you try it and champion it? Or is it a mandate from on high, so to speak? You know, I guess, how does it go from an idea to the reality of how others operate? Yeah, definitely, definitely not a mandate. And it's funny you ask that question because the process of, of rolling something out at IDEO is, I mean, it's like it's a huge part of my job and it's, and it's always a challenge because we're not a top-down management culture. Um, we can't just, you know, hand over something to folks and say, you need to do this. So it is, I think about finding advocates, finding folks who believe in the work, who see, who see the need for it. I think also to the point earlier, it's about bringing people along the journey. So when we designed this program, it was actually about casting a really wide net to all of our studios to learn things that were already happening in this space. And they were happening. There were tons of experience, uh, experiments and a lot of different approaches to this end. And so we collect all of that sort of stuff. We rolled it up and, and basically designed it as this series of best practices with a narrative around, around why this matters for IDEO. So I think it's about bringing people along, helping them see why it matters and how it will make their lives better and what effect it will have on them and their teams. Certainly didn't happen overnight. I mean, it's I think we actually published the work two or three years ago, and it's still in some places, you know, just starting to take hold. So it's definitely you kind of have to see the long game and be patient with it and know that it's not just going to be an overnight thing. So when you have a big new idea, how do you disseminate it around to a lot of people? You know, it could be a big cultural change or something that's process oriented like flights, I guess. But, you know, I would ask you how how important is internal documentation to all of this? And how do you actually get people to adhere to that stuff instead of what I think happens in most organizations, which is like, oh, I know that stuff exists written down somewhere, um, but I'm not really sure if I'm going to access it at all. You know, one example is I started my career at Google and we had this internal wiki that was so dense and so full of stuff that most people just ignored it. And it sounds like you guys are really able to take an idea, run with it, across a few teams or one location and then get it out to the whole company to make it just the way you operate. So my question is, uh, how, (laughs) how does that happen? 
Well, we've had the same struggles that you mentioned. I mean, our, you know, we have a, a tool that's essentially our intranet, which we just can't seem to crack the code of how to actually get people to, to put content there. So we certainly have not, uh, we have not found the holy grail of it. But I think to the point earlier about bringing people along the process, I think that that's really important because especially at IDEO, you know, in a community of creative people and, and designers, they, they will always be looking at how things can be better or how we can build on things. And so bringing them along the journey gives them the opportunity to feel ownership and to feel invested. Also with flights, we've learned that not being super prescriptive, but essentially designing a tool that people can take and make their own based on their local context and their local needs. I know that flights are run, you know, many different ways across of our studios, but always through sort of the same lens of, of people development and as a learning and development tool. And so whatever they need to do locally to make it their own is great, but we just want it to be kept through the lens of um, how do we support our people in learning and developing from project to project. So my final question is, if you entered another organization, which is trying to build a better corporate culture, trying to improve their employees' experience, so to speak, and certainly trying to align the business, and they say, you know, Sally, we love the work you've done at IDEO, come here and own the same function, make this company great, make this employee base happy and informed, what would be the first thing you would do at that organization that, say, doesn't have the infrastructure or the history or the culture yet like IDEO? I would want to understand the organizational values. I would want to understand the the company's purpose and their values. And if those didn't exist, I would want them to, <laughs> to figure it out. Um, but that's certainly the root of everything that we do on my team and the root of so much of what drives how we behave and how we work at IDEO is, is staying connected to our values. And so I think I think that would be the, the, the first thing I would look for. Okay, so once an organization has defined those values and articulated them, what's what's the power in that? You know, I guess what changes? I think there's a shared understanding now of what connects people across the organization and what can anchor the way that they work together, what can anchor how they treat each other, the way that that talent and other infrastructure groups design experiences for the community. I think it can help in career development because it can point to places where people are struggling, you know, maybe outside of their quote unquote job or their hard skills are people struggling in in their behaviors or the way that they're working together. And it can bring clarity to that. I think it can help with hiring. You know, you can look beyond the intuitive and often biased sense of, oh, that person's just not the right fit and actually look at what are the values that you're trying to hire for and, and what are the attributes that, that folks who hold those values might have so that they can, you know, join this organization and really and really have an impact. Big thanks to Sally Sosa with with all that wisdom today. Uh, thank you also to Tetra because this is their show. And if you like this show, you should go check out what Tetra is building to help employees make better decisions faster with their knowledge management software. You can go to tetra.co to learn more. That's tetra with two T's dot C-O. This show is a production of Unthinkable Media, makers of refreshingly entertaining shows about work. It's hosted by me, Jay Akunzo, and produced by Annie Sinzaba. On behalf of everybody at Tetra, I want to say thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks on another episode of Org Uncharted. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.